Welcome, fellow acolytes. I am your very caffeinated Sith Lord. <laughs> and with me today is... Uh, partially caffeinated uh, Darth, uh, Dark Lady of the Sith. <laughs> yes. This is a podcast which we talk about all things Star Wars chronologically until we die. Books... The best to our, the best of our ability, because new stuff comes out all the time. Yes. Books we break down chapter by chapter. Comic book runs will be broken down into issue. And series will be broken down by episode. And movies, well, you just get us talking about the movies. Because they are movies. Before we get started, we need to play some hollows for you all. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wayfinder Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Jabawanawanga. And you can follow Kaylee. And Darth Lady Shaw. Uh, uh, every single one of those will be in the description below. If you want to leave a donation, there will be a link in the description for you to do so. We are 100% listener funded and we pay our artists and composers, so it wasn't free for us. Plus, I want to send my son to Galaxy's Edge. I will keep beating that point home over and over oh. and over. Uh, to get some merch from uh, Why Not Stuff, go head on over to teespring.com forward slash doors forward slash why not stuff go get some great compositions from augusto denise he's over at fiverr.com his profile will also be in the description below so with that being said we finished chapter one of charles soul's light of the jedi it begins hyperspace the legacy run three hours to impact the length of this chapter is pages 7 through 15 so roughly eight pages the very first lines of the chapter is all is well. Now, I hate when things start out like that. All is well. Is it? Or you just said three hours to impact. Okay. Are you about to crush my soul? Well, you know, uh, this this chapter is incredibly efficient what Charles Souls has to do. He has to introduce like a lot of concepts. And he also has to make you care for these characters. So some of these characters get more background than a lot of other characters than other Star Wars books. And so you have that, and then you have all as well. So he's like trying to tell you, hey, you know what? I'm about to ruin your life. Just like just like she's a captain on the Legacy Run, you too are about to just go on a smooth journey to the Outer Rim. Quote, smooth. So all is well. So uh, characters in this chapter would be Captain Hedda Cassett, which basically the only character in this chapter, of course, there's a smaller child that she uh, talks to, but... She is our main character. And it, um, chapter one is coming from the point of view of Hedda Cassa. Yes, it is. So what do you think? So what do you think about Captain Hedda Cassett? I think she's a little OCD, but I think that also comes from the 30 years in the military and having to be so precise. Uh, I do enjoy her background. We do see Malastare Solist Joint Task Force for the first time ever. Yeah. Um which is on the border of the Mid-Rim. And all she did was really hunt a pirate. Yeah, and she flew uh, Z-24s, which are nicknamed Buzzbugs. And that's also the first mention uh, of a Buzzbug in canon. Mm -hmm. um, she did spend 40 years flying. Uh, and I feel like she's extremely optimistic throughout this entire chapter. Like, overly optimistic. Um, which, you know, just put the entire time in my mind, like, something's going to happen, something's going to happen. But, you know, like I said, they already started the chapter off three hours to impact. Well, see, in, in my mind, what? she's, like, overly optimistic this entire chapter is because she has the experience. She has an uh, overabundance of faith in herself. She wouldn't let anything happen to this these people. And even even with that being said, I mean, there's a small little, uh, little tidbit 
in this chapter where Charles Souls basically sets up that the Legacy Run is twice as old as she is. Yeah, the, the Legacy Run, um, they even say that it's at the end of its life. It's like a hundred-year-old transport yeah. at this point. Which is like, if you've seen the concept art for the Legacy Run, it looks like a triangle. It's a triangular prism. Yes. That's what it even and, describes. And it and it's basically it's basically an open compartment that's been retrofitted with like beds and stuff. And if you do have money, you can pay for like a bar and a private residence, but that's few and far between. You know, because most people on the Legacy Run going out to the Outer Rim, they are all very frugal people and they're just trying to scrape out a future, um, basically in a land that is unknown. And it even says the dark edge of the galaxy was a place of challenges, both exciting and deadly, more deadly than exciting in truth. Even the road to get out here is tricky. Yes, and uh, Hedda Cassett also has an internal monologue, which she says she couldn't vouch for what was waiting for these settlers once they got dispersed into the Outer Rim. And I was listening to the first chapter of this audiobook at least 25 times at work, <laughs> and I think like the 20th time uh, when I finally got around to that line and it said, got dispersed into the Outer Rim, I Oof. was like... Oh, wait a second. And I, like, I Googled, of course, because some words have multiple meanings, as we know. And I looked at dispersed, and I was like, oh, that's kind of nasty. Because, you know, it, it, like, dispersed isn't like you could land and let them out and they go about their ways. Or dispersed as in the entire ship blows up and there's just pieces of them. Throughout the entire galaxy. Hmm. Or even these little, you know, extra pods that were put into the Legacy Run. You know, going at hyperspeed throughout the entire system. Yeah. So, I mean, ugh, disgusting. You know, we're also introduced to a few other characters. I mean, obviously, we have Chancellor So of the Republic, but she was... She, right? Yes. She was mentioned in the opening crawl. Which, uh, uh, the important thing here, and I think will be important when we go out throughout these chapters is before certain individuals meet their demise, they also give their opinion on Chancellor So. Or oh. or they, um, how do I put this? They uh, uh, exuberate like their delight, delighthood, delightness. They exude like, a, they talk about how much they like Chancellor So or the values that the Republic have like come to create. So, oh, like, okay. they'll either exuberate, like, we are all the Republic, or they'll be like, yeah, Chancellor So, you know, things could be way worse. But Chancellor So, like, yeah. So, I do have a quote in here somewhere, if I can find the quote. <laughs> mm. Okay. Uh, opinions on Chancellor So. Favorable. Those were my notes. <laughs> no. Wow, that was more than what I have. I just have Chancellor So of the Republic. No, it's basically like, listen, things could be a lot worse than what they are. And, you know, we're all the Republic, you know? Like, like you know. Woohoo! Yippee! Yeah, so, I mean, it, I mean, <laughs> uh, so, Hedda Cassett's this really, she's a really fleshed out character in eight pages mm-hmm. where... We, we know her name, obviously. We know her um, status on the Legacy Run. We know where her experience comes from for her to run the Legacy Run. Now we also know how she interacts with her passengers. Yes, she. Uh, there's a little boy that's introduced. Little boy, I say. He's probably a teenager, probably 13, 14 years old. Um, on the ship, uh, a human boy. 
honestly, I didn't put a whole lot down about Surge because he's clearly just put in there for pathos later on. Yeah. Um, he's put in there to make you feel towards the end of the chapter when uh, Cassa is thinking about, like, I hope everyone got back to where they were. I hope Surge is okay. It's just put, input it in there to make you feel something uh, about, you know, He's, he's the one character that tries to make you feel for the 9,000 others on board. But with that being said, I think it also does something for Hedda. Because, you know, she's like, you know, once you're off this ship and your parents are making you, like, do farm work, you're going to wish you were back here, you know? And, I mean, because she enjoys the ride so much. There's even, she's even, even though she doesn't trust hyperspace, she's enthralled by it. Like, mm-hmm. there's a passage where she says, like, she could just stare out the viewport and into hyperspace and get lost for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, it it still does something for her character. And Charles Soule really does a really, really good job of not putting pathos in there just for it to be pathos. Like, it has to make sense. Well, yes. You know, it, it, it goes towards her character. But at the end of the day, what happens to her? Yeah. She's dead. Yeah. So, like, Surge is inputted in there strictly, I, I believe, strictly for pathos to make you feel... Cassid's put in there strictly for pathos to make you feel. Yes. At the end of the day, I don't think it goes farther than that. I mean, I, I, I seriously felt for these characters. I was like, you know, I had a feeling the whole time something was going to happen. And then at the end of the chapter, I'm like, <laughs> you well, just introduced <laughs> me characters that are already dead. I am eight pages into the book. Well, I'm not. And they're dead. I'm not strictly saying that Cassid and Serge aren't here strictly for pathos i'm saying this passage though it is paid down later down the line because it is pathos it still does something for her character because in this moment we're still developing her character and the better the character is the better the pathos is in my mind towards the end i see what you're saying uh then we have a few other minor characters we have lieutenant jerry bowman which is the first officer uh, Cassett's right-hand man. We don't know anything else about this guy. Um, and then we also are introduced to Cadet Col- Col- Collier. Is that how you say his name? The I, don't, I don't have it in front of me. The the Corman guy? A cadet K-A-L-W-A-R? Collier? Probably. Okay. Um, then he is the navigator of the Legacy Run, and he his species is also the Corman. Yes, um, if if you get Captain Scott's The Great Adventure, it's like 25-page literal kids' book, but it illustrates basically the species. Like, I actually think uh, Captain Hedda Cassett is a person of color. I believe so, yes. Yes, um, and uh, the navigator is a corpsman, and we do have uh, some uh, species in this chapter. We have an Ardenian, which is forearm species from the Solo movie. Comes from Ardenia, but... However, that location at this point is unknown. Yes, you also have a given. Which comes from Yagdul in the inner rim. The given's the one that kind of looks like a skeleton type. It's like extremely white and bony yeah, outer looks, and has like black eyes. Kind of looks like a horror film. Yeah. Um, you also have a mention of Atlantic, which it would be like a, what is it? A Jedi Master, um, what's his name? Jedi Master Peel. Okay. That's Atlantic. Um, and and they, they come from the planet Lanik, which is in the mid-rim. Yes, and I got on Wikipedia just to like look up things on the reg- Legacy Run, and it also mentions that aboard this ship there are Trandoshans, there are Bith, 
and there are there are Ortolans. However, those three are not mentioned in chapter yes, one. So I assume that we'll get a mention of those later on. Right. Um, other things, a mention of Tabana, which is gas used for hyperdrives and also used as a coolant. Now, to, and it's also used on uh, starship weaponry, and it is a very valuable resource. The two main resource or two main places it comes from is the planet of Bespin. Which mm-hmm. is in the Cloud outer rim, City. Cloud City. Cloud City. Um, that's what they're most known for. Their resource, the which call it, um, the production of and selling of, and then it also comes from the planet of Krill Door in the mid rim, and it is highly reactive. And I believe there is possible foreshadowing to come here. Yeah, I mean, with this. I mean, so with that being said, we've said that uh, Hedda Cassin's been established. We know she runs a ship. We know she has experience running the ship. We know what she's like with the passengers. We know what she's like with her checks um, along the ship. We know her piloting capabilities. We we also know that she is very capable of transporting unusual and destructive things. Like saberfish. Saberfish. Um, um, which is mentioned here. Um, she moved it from Tibrin in the mid rim, which is a ma- mainly oceanic yeah. aquatic planet. Um, also, side in the note, Hadar sector. Um, side note: the species, native species there is Ishi Tid. Don't know what those Ishi are. Tid. Never. Actually, we see them later on in a different movie. Um, and she transports it to Abergrado Ray in the core world, mm-hmm. and there's not much known. And this, I believe, is the first actual mention of Abergato Ray. I don't know about that. I don't think so. Um, I think there's more information, but Abergato Ray uh, is in the core worlds and it's in the Abergato sector, which is connected to all the core, core, core worlds and what's called the Rima trade route. So there's that. I, 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 we, we are introduced to Cassett being able to transport all these things. However, you know, at the end of the chapter, when the split initially failed, the split, the ship initially fails her, you know, what is going to happen with this Tabana? You know, obviously everything is going to explode and disperse off, kind of like what you see um, in The Rise of Skywalker when they blow up Kajimi, how like it breaks off and then explodes out. I think the same thing is going to be happening with the ship exploding out. But what happens with that Tabana? Yes, yeah, so, you know, I mentioned these things about Hedda Cassett because Charles Soule has to be incredibly efficient with what he does here because he has to develop Hedda Cassett. He also has to develop quite a bit of foreshadowing. Uh, the Bind Guild, that's some foreshadowing. Um, is it? Tabana, that's mm-hmm. foreshadowing. Um, and then... I also think the the hyperspace looking sickly in a red tinge. Yes, that is also so, foreshadowing. So, you know, I haven't really read at this point. I haven't read like past eight chapters. So I don't know why hyperspace looks red. We've never seen this before. My first thought, however, was... sick. My first thought was that there was Pergil, Pergil in the hyperspace lane. Do you remember Pergil? Yeah. From Rebels? It's like these big, giant space whale creatures that... Uh, use, I think, essentially, they're using Tabana to basically shoot themselves at hyperspace, hyperspeed 
throughout the entire galaxy. Yeah, basically, hyperspace is, like, modeled after them. Right. So, like, that was my first thought. However, I don't necessarily think that's the case because why would that make the hyperspace lane change from blue to red? No, that's a really fascinating thought, um, but it's wrong. Oh, uh, do you I'm think? Just, <laughs> I'm just letting you know flat out so you're not, like, I wonder if it's the purple. Well, right. Like, I, didn't, I didn't think... 20 chapters. I didn't think that was really the case. I, I feel like... Um, this book is meant to um, introduce a whole lot of new things to Star Wars, um, you know, the Star Wars world. So I didn't think that they would be bringing something from Rebels into this. Uh, but that was just my first thought. But I really want to know, like, what would be so large and irrevocably, I hate this word, but I love irrevocably. it, irrevocably in their path in this hyperspace lane that is supposed to be known as, or it is known as the best hyperspace lane to the outer rim. Mm. I wonder if that's even going to be addressed. You never know. Charles Soule is it a not? Bad I swear. He could be a bad writer. You never no, know. No, so, Charles Soule is not a bad writer. So let let's talk about what this chapter does, and then we'll get into our book club comments for the week. Okay. So what does this chapter do in your mind? going forward and I, how it sets up things i think it's just because this is before we do get to this chapter it says part one the great disaster right so you know obviously something massively bad is about to happen this chapter does a really good job of setting up the exposition for i feel the book as a whole you know getting the setting put in place getting the uh, made the main conflict already being shoved there in your face um, I don't think the theme has really came through yet. Uh, I feel like that's going to be something later on that we see with the Jedi itself. Um, honestly, you kind of see where the resolution's going to happen or like what's going to happen in order for the, everything to be resolved. Um, you know, obviously the, the Jedi and the Republic are going to have to come in to try to make the damage of this quote great disaster as minimal as possible um i don't we don't really have a protagonist yet um the antagonist in the, is it going to be the ship itself being destroyed everywhere and just the idea that they have to try to stop this or is there going to be a true antagonist later on don't we'll answer that for me this is just some thoughts. We'll see. I don't know. You know. Um, you know, we get the setting. We get the time, the place. Um, we don't have the exact place yet. We just know it's on the route to the Outer Rim. Yes. Um, so I, did, I think this chapter does a good job at, at initially setting up the basic exposition for the entire book. Yeah. I mean, this chapter does an incredibly efficient job at... Uh, Showing you how the uh, following chapters are going to be. So when we're introduced to these individuals that do die, they're going to have quite a bit of character development. I actually think chapter two is better at delivering the pathos than this one, uh, in my personal Interesting. opinion. Interesting, okay. Um, and Charles Soule has to set up so many things. He sets up the Bind Guild. He sets up Liquid Tabana. And all this is in the very first chapter. Uh, and he has to do that. He does this in eight pages, okay. and it, and he's not even struggling with like the words that he used or the sentence structure. No, I mean crap. He uses disperse. It's literally like <laughs> it's literally like uh, going 
he's literally being head of Cassid here and he's just going about his business. Mm-hmm. And you know that that's being very efficient in the things that he is doing. Yes, hyperspace is sick. That's a point. Um and you know, she also mentions that if if the Navi computer missed one little coordinate that the ship would explode and pieces of them would fly everywhere throughout hyperspace and the galaxy. So, um Okay, so I am curious. I've read the first eight chapters, and it very frequently changes point of view. So is, like, every chapter going to be a different point of view throughout the entire book? No. Or for the most well, part, it yes. changes a lot? It changes a lot because he introduces... Um, a lot of people. Pretty much almost every Jedi that's in the High Republic. <laughs> um, except, uh, except the four... Maybe that are in Into the Dark and Test of Courage. He pretty much entered. He also introduces everything else. So, what a great man to put in charge of the first book. Yeah, and I mean his Darth Vader run is one of the best things Star Wars has ever produced. So, um, in my mind, he's he's uh, just incredibly great. Um, let's see. Let's head over to our book club and see what comments we have for this very first uh, chapter. We do have an observation from Vader Thoughts, which is a podcast. You should probably go and listen to that. It's like a one-man uh, wrecking crew, and he has some pretty good observations on um, whatever he's talking about that week. He also had a, has a Twitter. But this week he said, Well, for me, it's how much they went into describing Hedda Cassett, and it really seemed like she would be the main character, and then bam, she dies. It was quite the shock. I love how the book opened with such a shocker. It really got my attention and kept me very intrigued. Um, Bindu and Snap at that guy Garrick said, I love how Soul sets up Hedda Cassett. She's such a badass and does something incredibly uh, heroic. What a strong beginning. He also said, The sickly red hyperspace lane is such a great image, too. And he also says, And Soul sets up the liquid Tabana later on, of course. <laughs> so that's where that comes <laughs> from. Um,. Yeah, and that's all so far on our book club. If y'all want to join our book club, go to Wayfinder Pod on Twitter. Ask me if you can be in our book club, and then I will invite you. It's very, very simple. <laughs> it's not convoluted at all. It's basically uh, an open message. Um, you know, we only go over one chapter at a time, uh, mainly and solely because I am reading the one chapter and going from there so we can analyze each individual chapter because I personally do not have a lot of time to just straight read through a book. So we are looking solely at each chapter, one, like two, two, three, three maximum a week, if we're being honest here. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we will... We will tear the chapter apart and look at every little thing. So if there's species, if there's some like weird Star Wars things like Tabana, we'll also mention that. We'll mention the ships. Uh, we'll mention uh, particular choices of words because that's like one of my favorite things ever. But, <laughs> you know, um, there's just some stuff from us going forward. So, yeah, with that being said, go over to Twitter and follow us at Wayfinder Pod. We're building a strong community. Uh, a of very positivity. Yes. Not like, I remember Palpatine and this is strong. But like, like, we're positive. <laughs> we I may, was going to go to the Wayfinder Pond to get some we, we We are trying to include all viewpoints and not tear people down because they like a specific trilogy of the movies. 
Yeah. Um, that sort of positivity. Yeah, you know, I have some uh, people who hate the sequel trilogy up on there, but like... They're we'll, not being we'll, toxic about no, it. No, we'll, we'll have fun. Like, uh, there was somebody the other day that was like, I think Empire Strikes Back is the only good original film. And then we just had like a GIF war for three hours. <laughs> I could not handle those GIFs. Good Lord. So yeah, with that being said, go ahead and follow us. And the next episode will be chapter, chapter two. two. Dead speak. <laughs> Dead speak. Good Lord. <laughs>